0: Well, propositional truth is an axiomatic truth, meaning it's true no matter what in any situation, in any direction that you look at it, that never changes. Here's a propositional truth. There is a God. When you have a propositional truth like that, then you can start to make arguments. Like, for instance, this. If there is no God, there are no objective morals or duties. There are objective Morals and duties. Yes. Therefore there is a God. Every statement in that syllogism is a propositional truth.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast that focuses on coaching you in the growth of your faith. Our world is struggling to find peace in the midst of all this chaos, direction in the midst of all this aimlessness, and purpose in the midst of no meaning. We are challenging everyone to take time to think about the point and purpose of your life. Then you will know what you believe and why you believe it. This leads to a stronger faith, and that is how you find peace, hope, and love in this world. My name is Jesse Mara. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Pete.
0: Well, welcome, everyone. It's so good to be with you today. We are in this series called Kingdom Come, and I think uh, the Lord kind of uh, guided me into a new direction with it. I was planning on talking about kind of the overall kingdom of God and why we need to pray for it to come, because it is a battle in the spiritual realm, and then there was some massive terrorist attacks. Uh, the globally we're in all these wars and so people are like wow how does that relate and so we were kind of trying to address how there is some of these wars are outgrowths of this spiritual battle how it is spilling over into the material world and that's important to note from a large perspective because it if it's true in a large sense with nations it's also true in a personal sense that this the spiritual battle will spill over into your life And so being aware of it and knowing how to uh, engage in it, knowing the, the rules of warfare, which there are, and how to be victorious, I think, is really important. And we're seeing how important it is that the people of God need to, you know, we need to gear up and get ready and start fighting this battle in the way that God has called us to fight it.
1: Yeah, you started this series off with a bang. That is for sure. <laughs> um, the overwhelming response that I've heard has been that people are really amazed that someone's actually addressing what's going on in the world right now. They're they're kind of shocked that a pastor is going up and talking about it. Yeah, um, it seems that very few people want to bring clarity to, clarity to these events and help people understand why they're happening. Um, so, why is it that we're so shocked when these things happen, Pastor? <laughs>
0: Well, I think it's complacency, you know, and there's mm. two reasons why people in general, but in particular Christians, followers of Christ, fall into complacency. The first reason why it's kind of human nature. And if you really think about how your your brain is wired neurologically, it's, it's d- wired in a way to deal with what's in front of it, and it becomes very adept at tuning out irrelevancies, you okay. know, like... Like, for instance, if you're walking down the street, you hear all these sounds, you see all these things, you smell all these things, you feel, touch all these things, and your brain immediately takes all this data from your five senses, organizes it, and then prioritizes it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So, you know, like, if you're walking around and you don't have any hair, you have a buzz cut, and the wind kicks up, it doesn't really... You know, register to you. You may not even notice that there's a breeze, but if you're the, a person who has quaffed their hair and their <laughs> styles, you know they're going to suddenly notice. Oh my goodness! You know, the, they're going to want to do something to to deal with that. So the brain is wired to deal with what's in front of it, and it filters out information that it deems necessary. Uh, an illustration of this is called the ketchup stain, and in hospitality circles. What happens is in hotels and restaurants and in event centers and in churches in particular, is that somebody will spill something, maybe ketchup and get a stain on the carpet. Right. And so all the people, you know, so you try to clean it up, but you have this stain. Well, everybody who works there. Knows about it and they just forget about it. They don't even see it anymore. Right. But a brand new person walks into that restaurant, event center, church for the first time, goes, "Was well, there just giant ketchup stain in the middle of the
1: <laughs> of the floor?"
0: And so that's kind of how the we, we have this side of our human nature that's drawn towards complacency. So the second reason why we're complacent, I believe, is because we are manipulated. Uh, the information we have is controlled and it is delivered in a manipulative way simply by the choice of what our media chooses to talk about or not, the questions they choose to ask or not. The media is extremely biased uh, in the news <clears throat> uh, in regarding the news that it chooses to report. There's so many things going on in the world. On the one hand, you want to say, well, give them the benefit of the doubt." Di- doubt they're only trying to pick things that are appropriate to American interests. Right. But the bottom line is is that this is just simply false. Uh, the media is extremely biased in the news it chooses to report. You may not know this, but the Action Group for Palestinians of Syria, AGPS, has documented that the death of over 4,000 Palestinians have resulted in the civil war in Syria over the last few years. Nobody knows that. Right. But everybody knows that there's been a few thousand Palestinians that have been killed in the Gaza Strip. Now, why is that? Well, because our press is very biased against Israel, you know? And so I think it's really fascinating that in Syria, they've killed more Palestinians, and these are all innocent because there's no terrorist organization headquartered there in this uh this It's called the Ain el hilwa camp. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, that, one, that's, that one's in Lebanon. The other one's in Syria. And so what's fascinating to me is that nobody even knows about this. Uh, and then there's this refugee camp in Lebanon. It has more than 63,000 people living in a small area. Mm. And so we don't know anything about that. All 63,000 of those people are Palestinians, right? They're not allowed to leave. So it's totally different than Gaza, and yet what we hear is we hear about Gaza. Uh, Another situation that that has to do primarily with Christians, and that is right now, you may not be aware, but there's a mountain region in uh, Azerbaijan uh, that is populated 100% by Armenian Christians. They've been there for 2,000 years. They've lived in this area. And right now, the Muslim government of Azerbaijan is ethnically cleansing over 120,000 Christians. Mm. And what's interesting is people say, oh, they just, they're stealing their land is what they're doing. But the other thing that they're doing is that they've surrounded them so they can't leave. And then they were just massacring them. I mean, it is a genocide beyond belief. And so nobody in America really even knows that. I, I could go on and on and on about all of these things that are happening that, americans aren't aware of is that our fault not necessarily because we are being manipulated by the press
1: Mm. i mean i guess i'm i'm curious why are you spending so much time trying to point this out because this doesn't seem to be applicable to what we were originally talking about which was the kingdom of god and and expanding it
0: well i think that that in order to understand well, why is all this stuff going on and why are we so unaware of it mm. in, in a nation that we should have access to all of this information is because these two kingdoms in this world are at war. And if you're not aware of the fact, it allows your life to be manipulated and it allows you to be lulled into complacency. Mm. The primary goal of being manipulated by the kingdom of this world is to stall your spiritual growth. So why is this apropos? Well, because it shows you how, what great links the kingdom of this world, the evil one will grow, will go to stop the growth of your faith. So it's really, I mean, amazing how far he will go and what he will do. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 13, there's this really interesting passage. Paul talks about there's leadership in the church. They have various roles and their job is to build people up, coach people up in their faith, strengthen their faith. And then he, in verse 13, he gives the reason why. He says, so that we can attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So we want unity in the faith. We want a more knowledge of the Son of God in order to be a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, that's an interesting phraseology, but what is he saying? He's saying, look, stature is how you grow up, right? You know, you, it has that sense of, uh, oh, he's a grown man now. He's reached his stature right. as a man. It's kind of an old way to say it, but there is maturity there, okay? And he's saying the full stature comes from Christ and grows you into a mature person. Now that's the goal in verse 14. He goes as the result of this happening as the result, therefore we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or by the trickery of people by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. Mm. So is not interesting. He says specifically. The result of growing up to being mature in the faith is you don't act like a child, think like a child, or complacent like a child. Because children are tossed here and there by every wave or wind of doctrine. So someone comes along and says, did you know blah, blah, blah. A perfect example of this is when we first started this podcast, one of the reasons why we started it is because the BLM movement burst onto the scene and some people in the church were jumping on the bandwagon, remember? And one of the very first podcast we did i called it beware of the bandwagon right and i i came out and i said this is what this is movement is all about and you better be careful about jumping on that bandwagon well that's the whole point of the salty pastor is to help people grow up in their faith so that they aren't manipulated he says they aren't tricked by people they are not deceived by people because their thinking is clear. They know what they believe, why they believe it, and so they are not easily manipulated by all of this falsehood in the kingdom of this world.
1: I mean, the primary mission of the Salty Pastor is to help people grow stronger in their faith, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what we 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 have grown into. And we are really wanting to have a deeper understanding of the spiritual war that's taking place and how this kingdom of the world creates this massive gaslighting battle, basically, that mm-hmm. we we can and a lot of us do fall into, which lulls us into complacency, right? Yep. When you just blindly believe everything the world is telling you and just let it slowly nip away at what you're yeah. thinking and yep. convince you of things that aren't true, then you're never going to grow. You're going to stay stagnant, and that's exactly what the enemy wants, right?
0: Yeah, and if enough Christians are complacent, right, and not growing— then the church in America becomes what? Anemic and weak. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have to understand that there's a battle going on and it is real if you want to protect yourself from what the world wants to do to you. And so uh, it's it's really odd, you know, because uh, from one standpoint, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy. If you've listened to the Salty Pastor, everyone for a long time, I'm not, you know, I don't see conspiracies behind every little thing that's going on. And the reason why I don't believe in a lot of conspiracy theories is because a conspiracy theory assumes that there are intelligent people doing things. And I just don't (laughs) think there's enough intelligent people doing stuff. But I heard this comedian once say this. He goes, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy. He goes, but you don't believe in any conspiracy theories? He goes, because that basically means the government batting a thousand. Right. (laughs) I thought that was a funny way to put it. I don't believe in a lot of conspiracy theories, but I do believe in some. And the ones I believe in are the biggest of all. And that is, is that there are two kingdoms in the spiritual realm. And the one which is led by Satan, the kingdom of this world has a conspiracy to destroy you and destroy the church and to maintain control over as many souls as he possibly can. So I do believe in that. And if you aren't aware of that, then how can you protect yourself? Right, And then you're so many things are going to go wrong in your life and you're going to go, why doesn't God love me? You know, and you're like, well, God does love you. And he told you how to protect yourself. Right. Mm. And that's Ephesians chapter six. We read it uh, last week. I'll read it again. And we'll go into the second phase of that passage where he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day. And having done everything, see, that's the key, is you have to do something. He says, Mm -hmm. and after you have done everything, you can stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Holy Spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance in every request for the saints. It's a powerful passage that tells us we have to do everything we can by being prepared, and that protects us from what the kingdom of this world is trying to do to us.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean... I grew up in church, so, you know, the armor of God's basically like VBS or Sunday School 101 class stuff, right? Like, you go through this, you learn it, it's a cute thing, and it's great. But it's taken me until basically the last few years to really understand what this is talking about. Like, really dive into the fact that this is talking about, you know... It's easy to kind of skip to the part where you're just talking about the armor of God, but you yeah. look at verse 10, 11, and 12, and it's, he's setting up what the battle is. He's like, you are in a battle, a mm-hmm. spiritual battle. You will get attacked. You don't have to armor up if you're never going to get attacked, right? Correct. If you're if you're out in the back, 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 back of the ranks and you never uh, will see battle, then you don't need to be wearing armor. You just get to walk around in whatever. But mm-hmm. If he's saying, "Hey, you're in a battle. You're going to get shot at. Then you need to have armor on." Then it's that, really
0: good to have armor when yeah. you're being
1: shot at. Yeah, and you want to. You need to think that way. And and something that you and Pastor Harvey have been talking about over the last couple of years is, "Hey, you need to be praying for this every day. This is not a like once a month. Oh, I'll just pray the armor of God." It's like, I wake up now every day and on my way to my workout or to work or whatever, as I'm in the car, I'm praying the armor of God over myself, over my fiance, over the people here at the church saying, hey, we know we're in the battle. We're going to get attacked today. Help me. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And it it forces your perspective too, because it's like, I was just talking in a Bible study yesterday about this, where, you know, I always read the, the, the shoes, the sandals strapped yeah. Uh, with the, I just always kind of skipped over gospel of peace. and I just said peace and I'm like, oh, just wherever I go, I'm supposed to be peaceful and be like, not ruffle feathers, <laughs> but it's like, no, wherever you go, have preparation of the gospel of peace. So you need to be ready to like share the gospel at any point when you're walking around anywhere. And that just shifts my mindset when I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, I'm a representative. Oh, I need to be sharing the gospel, whether I'm in the grocery store or at the church or wherever. I need to be making those in- intent or intentional choices about how i'm going to live my life Mm -hmm. and the armor gives me that focus each and every day right and so Mm -hmm. i've really transformed from oh this is just a cutesy thing we did in vbs to oh this is a serious thing
0: yeah yeah exactly because it's a battle
1: yeah and I really like the way that Paul says the goal is to stand firm or kind of stand your ground. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Standing firm is the opposite of this complacency we've been talking exactly. about, right? We, we have to really you ready to not just run away or just kind of let people blow past us you know you think of like red rover did you ever play red rover yeah. as a kid yep you have to stand firm in that you can't just let people blow by you there if you just right. have weak noodle arms when they do that <laughs> they just blow through and they win the game right yep. and paul's calling us to stand firm yeah um so let's walk through each of the pieces of armor pastor i'd love to hear your take on it because i'm like i said i'm learning more about them even at 35 years of age i'm still learning about what each of these are so so I'd love for you to kind of reveal how you think about each of these.
0: Well, I like how what you said is that this armor that he's talking about, we can't forget that in verses 10, 11, and 12, he's really driving home that this is a spiritual war mm. and you have to be geared up to protect yourself. And it begins with truth, you know. And I, I think that there's two aspects of truth. And first of all is the the truth of who we are, but this, the second is is that we have to be truthful about what's going on out there. How much do we really want to, to know the truth about the world that we live in today? I mean, it, it is sad. You know, some of the happiest people I know have turned off the news and, and deleted all social media. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. boy, you see all this, it's kind of sad. And, and the other thing is, is in some ways it's defeating because is there anything you can even do about it? right mm-hmm. I mean when I'm reading about uh, these 120 thousand you know Christian in uh, Armenian Christians in Azerbaijan there's really nothing I can do about it you know uh, I'm saddened about that but the truth is important it's the foundation of reality this is often often called our worldview or frame of reference without mm. truth you don't have a worldview or frame of reference and if you've been raised in a postmodern, culture, the frame of reference concerning reality is that there is no truth. Now, if this is true, then that basically means there's no objective morality. There is no real right or real wrong and things that are always wrong, no matter what in any situation. Therefore, we have people arguing today that Hamas was justified in attacking Israel Okay, you might say they they declared war on Israel. Okay. But they're also saying that the 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 raping of little girls and the burning and decapitate and burning the bodies of babies and decapitating their heads is justifiable because they're morally the same. Well, they're resisting Israel. Well, this is absolute lunacy. But how do people make these arguments? Well, they were raised in the West West about uh, postmodern culture. There is no truth, and so we everything ends up beginning with truth. And what we mean by that is not factual informational truths. You know, like for instance, um, you know the moon is round and the gravity is this, and the you know the uh, math is true you know 2 plus 2 is 4 you know those type those are informational truths right what what we're talking about is the beginning of our understanding of reality at its very core is there a god or is there not a god and that that's really important is you have to strap yourself right gird your loins the most tender part of you with the ultimate truth right you may not have all the factual or informational truths figured out. And you may not have all the knowledge in the world to always make the best decision. That's okay if your loins are girded with the truth. And these are the ultimate truths. This is who you are. There is a God. You've been created. Your life has meaning and purpose. You have a soul. You have a problem, a cancer of your soul called sin. Jesus came To remove the power of the evil one over you in the kingdom of this world, so that you can enter into the kingdom of God. So, oh, that. So, what's interesting is you hear in Christianity all the time the word gospel. We always say the word gospel, gospel, gospel. Well, why do we say that word? What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is simply the truth of Jesus. That's what it means when we say the gospel is. This is our testimony to the truth or reality of this world in which we live. There is a God. He sent his son, Jesus, in order to save us. So that's what the gospel message is. Okay, that's part of gospel. So once you understand truth, then it's easier to put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is the second one, you know? In other words, how do we stand for righteousness in a dark world? Okay, now if we know what the ultimate truths are, then the challenge is, to stay focused on the battlefield of propositional truth. Jesus said, excuse me, Jesus said, blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, this is one of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, verse 10 in Romans. Paul says for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. So we have to stay focused on the real battlefield, and the real battlefield of truth is propositional truths, okay? And why do I say that? Because sometimes Christians get, say, well, the truth is you can't have drums in church, or the truth is you're organized wrong. These are informational truths, right? These are not the big foundational truths of the gospel. And so, People get distracted, and they fight these idiotic battles. You know, I've told this illustration before, but I think it's in Mississippi. There's a church where the name of the church is called the Church of the Hat Rack, and there's another church down the street called the Church of the Non-Hat Rack. Oh, my gosh. So what do you think they split over, Jesse? <laughs> Probably the Hat Rack. Probably the Hat work Rack. But see how how silly and ridiculous that is? That's because the kingdom of feels God like is not about in, eating.
1: It feels like it belongs in a Dr. Seuss story. Yeah,
0: that's right. It's 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 not about eating, it's not about drinking. And what he's saying is it's not about all of these little you know th- th- informational factoids and silly things. It's about the ultimate truths of reality in which we live. And that's where our righteousness, we need to stand for righteousness in a dark world by staying on the battlefield of propositional Truth.
1: Give me a quick definition of propositional truth, like two sentences.
0: Well, propositional truth is an axiomatic truth, meaning it's true no matter what, in any situation, in any direction that you look at it, that never changes. Okay. Here's an here here's a propositional truth. There is a God. Okay. okay? Now, when you have a propositional truth like that, then you can start to make arguments. Like for instance, this: if there is no god there are no objective morals or duties okay there are objective morals and duties yes therefore there is a god okay see every statement in that syllogism is a propositional truth so if you want to negate the conclusion then you have to attack the premises or the propositional truth okay does that make sense
1: yep so I, what I really loved is that you tied the 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 belt of truth to the breastplate of righteousness, which mm-hmm. I'm sure was intentional when he described this because you need a belt to kind of hold your breastplate down, right? Otherwise, your breastplate flies up in your face and hits you and you can't fight <laughs> Gives properly. you a bloody nose. Yeah, you can't fight properly if you're not cinched down, right? And mm-hmm. so that belt is super important because it's what keeps everything held together. And mm-hmm. so we go from truth into righteousness because you can't really base things you don't know what righteousness is if you don't know what's true right right you can't you can't operate in righteousness if you don't know what is right and right is based on truth yes yes so i think that's really important that we understand that those two are tied together both like visually in this analogy he's giving us but also in the spiritual warfare aspects so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, give me give me the other uh give me some more
0: well yeah I, yeah, I, well, something you just said that kind of sparked another thought in my mind is that you know, and we'll talk about this more in the series is that the command is to make disciples, right? Well, what's really interesting is that there are whole denominations that have split from each other because their definition of a disciple disagreed on these really minutiae points, right? And that is, is that, well, both disciples believed in the gospel that Jesus Christ came to save their sins. They, they both agreed that they were saved by grace through faith and this, not of themselves. They also agreed that you need to know the Bible and the word of God, but they split because they disagreed over what verses you should memorize, Mm. you know, in what order. That just seems absolutely ridiculous to me. You know, that's not, that is missing the whole point of belt your loins with truth and the breastplate of righteousness. But once you have those and you understand the real battlefield is in this truth area, the big truths, then you can put on the running shoes of the gospel. I call them the running shoes of the gospel. And what do I mean by that is that we need to run into the battle with the truth of the gospel.
1: Mm, And that's what
0: we need to do. We need to have a willingness to share the truth of Jesus and now, this is kind of salty, but whenever there's a problem out there in the world, we shouldn't sit there and go, well, Jesus saves. Okay? <laughs> I guess technically you're right, but that's not the propositional truth. Right. You have to back up, and that's why I talk about upstream in, in, in thinking is really important. You have to back up and in that in, in the issue with uh, transgenderism out there today and homosexuality, the whole LGBTQ plus community is this, is that, well, you're saying that my identity is wrong. And so, well, from their perspective, then it makes sense that they are upset about that. And so what happens is then other Christians say, well, it is wrong. Jesus saves. Okay, that is true. But if you really want to run into the battle with the gospel, what you have to do is you have to run and say, how is it that you can base your identity on sex? Okay, what happens when you're 75 and you can't have sex anymore not that i'm saying that there aren't some 75 year olds that are married and still having a great time i'm just saying at some point right you you are unable to do that so does that mean you are a non-existent human at that point that your identity is gone right you know what okay you're saying well i'm attracted to somebody of the same sex, or I'm attracted, or I believe that in my brain that I'm a I'm a you know I was born a girl, but I I believe I'm a boy, and say, okay, what what my point is is that the real question isn't that it's wrong. It's why, and that is can a living soul build an identity on anything material, mm. right? That, that's exactly, if you say, well, my identity is built around my same-sex attraction, then you're, you could say, well, then the guy next door can build his identity around the fact that he owns four BMWs in his driveway, okay? Th- they both have the same flaw in them, right? And that is you can't build a spiritual identity because you're a spiritual being on a material thing. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense to me. So we should run with that propositional truth into the argument. OK, uh, and then what's going to happen as soon as you do that, you become a target. And that's why you need to have a shield of faith. Mm. You see how they fit together. Whenever you run into the battle with the gospel, then what you got to do is you've got to have a shield of faith. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, the reason faith is a shield that puts out the fiery missiles of the evil one is because faith is a rational thing. It's not an irrational thing. And so you have to have a rational basis for putting out the fiery missiles of the evil one, right? Because what happens is, like you said earlier, I'm, I've learned I need to get ready for this battle, each and every day. So you say, you you pray, you're gearing up. Well, where does the battle actually take place? It takes place in your head, right? Right. And you you have old patterns of thinking, you have old beliefs, and they crop up in your day. And you have to basically say, you have to make a rational choice, right? It's rational that those are wrong, this is right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to believe the truth, not the lie. Okay? So that, that's a big deal for people who are overcoming addictions. Did you know that? Yeah. They, have to, they have to engage their rational mind, otherwise they never are set free, which leads finally to the helmet of salvation. And that is, Paul says uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Look, so then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. So we run into the the fray with the gospel. We have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Basically meaning we understand that everything God is doing as we are in this battle is to work within us and to grow us to maturity in order that it's for his good pleasure or his vision or his version of who it is that we are to become, which is a really awesome thing. So that's how this all fits together.
1: Absolutely. Uh, any uh, final thoughts on the sword of the word of God?
0: Well, he he does say and pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you're in a spiritual battle and you want to strike with a spiritual weapon, okay, the Holy Spirit will fight. But it only fights with the sword you give it. Right. This is why memorizing the New Testament is very important. Mm. Because you remember earlier we talked about when you fight that battle, mm-hmm. it's in your brain. Well, if you go, well, I shouldn't believe that, then you know the battle goes. Well, why not? It's true. And you go, well, because I just don't think it is.
1: Well, and we—that's s- kind of a mamby Pamby approach. Yeah, and we've seen the we've seen this demonstrated in the scriptures when Jesus was battling Satan um, during his temptations. He used scripture to battle off the lies that Satan was giving him. And so this is not just a, oh, yeah, this is a nice thing that we have this sword. That's the word of God. No, Jesus literally demonstrated this principle in the scriptures. Yes. We've seen it in multiple accounts. So just... Don't overlook this uh, part.
0: So give the spirit ammunition. Right. Give the spirit ammunition. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the spirit to be shooting twenty twos, man. I want the full NATO 5.56 (laughs) round going out there and doing some serious damage.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for going through um, this with us. I think it's been really enlightening as far as the, um, like I said, just going over this thing that we kind of gloss over and we learn when we're little and now a lot of us are older, it's good to really understand what this is talking about and how it applies to our life. So uh, thanks for going through that. And we'll see you guys on Thursday as we get into application of these verses. Mm -hmm. See you then.
0: Blessings.